Well, this is Denny Reese with Wonder Mag on Air, and I've got a guest here with me today, and it's great to be back with you after a month. I think our, I, I looked at my uh, last program we aired. It was uh, one month ago today, so that's kind of a coincidence. But I have Mike Distachio, and you know, everyone listening knows I like to bring on the host of other radio and internet programs, TV, you know, TV shows, talk show host. So, Mike, that's that's your uh, line of business. So, we're going to ask you some questions about how you got into business and what you do and who you've talked to. And I think it's going to be a fascinating interview. Uh, first of all, how did how did the name of the Hollywood Kid come about? Uh, well, Kenny, first off, thank you so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate you reaching out. To oh, you're more than welcome. Uh, oh well, it, it, when I was a little kid, um, I, I was a big movie guy and. A lot of times my friends and I would play cards or play, you know, baseball in the street. And a lot of my friends would get stumped on a movie line like a, or an actor's name. They'd say, oh, my goodness, what's the name of that guy? And I would be there to rattle off the names of the actors in the movies. And after a while, my friends would just say, well, just ask Mike. When they got, when they got stumped, they would say, well, just ask Mike. You know, he's the Hollywood kid. He knows everything about movies. Hmm. And they pretty much stuck. So I use that and I incorporated that into my show, Real Talk with the Hollywood Kid. So it came, it came, it came up, it came about much, much sooner before you even thought about being in the in the radio business. Oh yeah, yeah, that was I was a big movie guy, I still am. I was a big movie geek, and um, you know, my friends used to call me Hollywood, hey Hollywood Kid, Hollywood Kid. It's like you know, anybody who needs to know something about movies at a party or something. Mm-hmm. Anybody needs to know anything about movies, just ask Mike. That's kind of. Kind of a coincidence between us, too, Mike, because uh, my first gig was on the radio was doing a weekly movie quiz. We talked about the older movies mostly, and I'd ask questions, and people would call in their answers. Yeah, I'm a big classic movie guy, Kenny. I, I love the old movies. Um, I love the Bogarts. I'm, I'm a big Bogarts fan, and um, I just think those movies are better, well-made, and well-acted back then. They were much more simpler than what they are today, obviously. But um, I'm a big classic movie lover. Turn a classic movie channel. That's that's my go-to channel every night. Oh, I, I love that channel. I'm I'm hoping to get it back again. I haven't had it for a couple of years because I I got rid of all my satellite and cable. But yes, I want to get it back again too and start watching these old films. I watch them on my laptop. Mike, my second question for you is, and this is a fascinating story. I think. Uh, I want you to tell tell me about the day you, that you walked into a radio station and pitched your idea for a show. 
Benny. Um, I, I was working at the post office as a letter carrier one day, and I was covering a gentleman's, uh, a fellow carrier's room. And uh, there was this very dilapidated house. It looked like, like a little pig, tiny house, and it looked like it should have been condemned. But I had to bring the mail in there. Mm-hmm. So I walked in there, and I, I seen this gentleman behind the desk, and I said, hi, uh, here's your mail. And um, what is this place? And he told me, he goes, we're a radio station. I said, you got to be kidding me. He said, yeah, it was this tiny house. He said, Howard Stern's first job in radio was here. Well. I said, wow, because he was going to college at, uh, at Boston University for communication, and he was interning over there. And real funny story, uh, he worked there a couple of weeks, and at the end of the couple of weeks, he says, well, where's my paycheck? And the station manager says, what paycheck? He says, I worked two weeks. He goes, you don't get paid, you're an intern. <laughs> and he walked out. Well, can't say I blame him. <laughs> amazing that you're still you're still doing this on an am radio station because those are just about all i'm not going to say they're extinct but they're going they're going by the wayside right unfortunately yeah uh i'm going to go ahead i wanted to ask you and jog your memory or ask you if you remember your first celebrity interview what stands out about it
Oh yes, yes, yeah, uh -huh. I remember him. Okay, now I want to ask you one question about this actor and see if my my memory is correct. Um, seems like he was on a night on a primetime crime drama. Was was he on Profiler? What show? Well, I think it was one called Profiler back in the late yeah, 90s. I think he was. You could be correct, then. Yes, he was. He's been on tons and tons of television shows, NYPD, the Lose of the World, mm -hmm. things like that. He's got a huge resume. He's also a French Sinatra singer. Oh, is he? first one it blew my mind when I read that you've had over 300 celebrity yeah, interviews let's uh maybe pick another couple more and talk talk about them I mean you can't talk about them all but I'm, I'm sure there's a couple of them that really yeah, yeah, yeah. really stand out uh, when I first initially sat down to really put my show together I wrote a list of people that I would like to get um, one of the guys Gentleman named Alex Rocco. Not sure if you know that name. I was just reading about him. Yes, he is the TV show called Three for the Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alex Rocco was Mo Green in The Godfather. Mm hmm. That iconic scene he did with Al Pacino. Um, now, the reason why I wanted to get him on the show because he grew up in the next town next to me. And he has an amazing backstory. He passed away about six, seven years ago. Mm hmm. He had, he had an amazing backstory to his life. He was actually in the mob, I want to say the mafia, the mob around here. And um, he was running with some really, really bad guys. And uh, they were doing some bad stuff. Anyway, the story goes that he got in a really, really bad situation with a, with a, with a gang. And uh, they wanted to kill him. So, pretty much packed his bag and moved out to L.A. to hide out. <laughs> and from what he told me, he says, Mike, I was bartending like a bar back in this really dumpy bar room that a lot of actors would hang around in. Um, you know, actors you would know nowadays, like uh, like George Hamilton, Dirk Ward would hang around in there. Mm -hmm. and people like that, before they were famous. So the story goes that working at the bar room, 
an agent would always call there looking for the bartender because he was an actor. He said, he'd give him, like, little big pots. And uh, so he answered the phone one day, and he said, hello. And he said, oh, yeah, Joe there. He said, actually, no, Joe's not in today, but the guy was actually in the bathroom. Huh. And he said, uh, and he said, he's not here, but what, can I help you? He goes, oh, I'm looking for an actor. He goes, I'm an actor. He says, you are? He's got him two days' worth of work on Batman at the time, in 1965, 66. Huh. And uh, worked two days on Batman, and just after that, he took off. And, uh, I, I, didn't realize, I didn't realize his career went back that far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I said, he was on the run from the mafia. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 Meanwhile, here he is, so he gets, trying to get away from the, the Boston mob. He goes out to L.A. to hide out. And he ends up being, being on the, the Godfather, one of the, probably one of the biggest movies of all time. Oh, sure. Just, you, know, you know, so, but he told me, he goes, you know, it's what he was starving as an actor out there. As soon as he got on the Godfather, he said, Mike, I went to meet the hamburgers, meat and steaks. I can't remember. I think he had, he was in a cult series, uh, maybe late 70s, uh, where he played a Hollywood agent. I can't remember the name of it, of course. But... Yes, correct. I, I know he thought, yeah, I forget the name of that. He was he... also the, the movie, uh, The Friends of Eddie Coyle, big movie around. They filmed that here in Boston. Oh, did they? With Robert Mitchum? Yeah. yeah. He was in The Golden Girls. Yeah, he was. Yeah, you're right. So he was. He's one. He's one that really sticks out in your mind. Of, you know, being said, he's from your your uh, your neck of the woods too. Yeah, he was in that famous scene, The Godfather, when he told Al Pacino, "You know who I am? I'm Paul Green. I was making my bones when you were going out with cheerleaders." The famous, iconic scene in the history of cinema. So you told us you made a list of uh, people that you wanted to interview, and then I, you, you may, if you're like me, you come across uh, interview request services. I don't know if you use them or not. I, I do use them. Not a lot, but... Uh, yeah, I, I don't use them. No, I don't use them. I, I just like to reach uh, out to people. But how, how do you... Say there's someone you really want to interview and you have no way, no contact information whatsoever. How would you go about pursuing those, Mike? Well, it, it is difficult, Denny, when, like you said, when you don't have any information. I've had many, many... I mean, I've gotten many people without information. I'll tell you a funny story that you mentioned that. I don't know if you know the, the, the actor named George, George Maharis. Oh, yes, from Route 66. I watched that quite a bit. On, very on, good. Yeah. Very good. Yep. Very good, Teddy. Okay, I'll tell you a funny story. So I wanted to get George. This was recently. This was about two or three months ago. I wanted to get George Maharis on the show because I watched Route 66. You know, it's on ABC on Amazon Prime. And I went online, and there was no contact whatsoever. I went on IAP, I use IFDB Pro. Mm-hmm. That gives you all the agents' names, their publishers' names, their phone numbers, their emails, their address, everything. Everything you can imagine. Any contact on any celebrity you need. And there was nothing. He had no agent. He had no man. He retired now. He's like 91, 90 years old. Yeah. I said, well, forget about him. I can't get him. I went online. There was nothing. Absolutely. I've never been stuck like that. So I, I, what I did find you could probably use this yourself. What I did find was an address. He lived in Beverly Hills in an apartment building. So I, I don't know if it was good or not. So I'm like, you know what? Let me shoot off a letter. Let me write him a letter. You never know. Sometimes you might get lucky. Mm-hmm. So I mailed him a letter. I mailed him a letter. About two weeks later, I'm, I'm driving down the main road. And my phone rings. And says, I see the thing. It says Beverly Hills. <laughs> I said, oh, there's got to be somebody here. Yeah, I got a fish on the way to the I got a fish in the hook. So I pull over. He says, hello. And he says, hi, Mike. I says, yeah. He goes, Mike, this is George Maharis. Oh, my God. <laughs> what the hell? He goes, I got you a wonderful letter. I said, oh, wow. It's great. I said, yeah. And he, well, we talked for a good half hour, 45 minutes. Absolute gentleman. And I'm uh, actually good friends with him now. He sent me a nice autograph picture and I tried doing some stuff for him. The, the Hollywood Reporter contacted me because, because they couldn't find an address or a phone number. They contacted me because they, they saw my interview on Facebook, mm-hmm. and the guy DM'd me. One, one of the uh, one of the writers over there DM'd me on private message on Facebook asking me for the contact information. And um, you know, I, I gave it to him. I called George, and he says, "Oh yeah, come to call me." So he, you know. It's, Funny how stuff happens. Well, there's a lot of luck. Yeah, have him call me. I'd love to have him on my show if he wants to yeah, do it. Yeah, he'll do it for you. He'll do it for you. I'll give you his phone number. He'll do it. You know, he kind of got a raw deal. He he really was the star of that show. And uh, 
he he contract contracted hepatitis and uh, had had to go off the yeah. show for a while and and uh, yeah. And they re and, um, they replaced him in the sec. Yeah, it's not true. No. And the second actor, the second actor, uh, they you know Glenn was his name Glenn Larson. I think his name was Glenn Larson. He never really uh, never really connected with people, did he? Too much. Oh right, the guy that filled in. Yeah. No, it was it was filmed on location. They went everywhere. You're right on the on the old Route 66, which is almost you know a thing of the past itself now. Uh, you know, I want to ask you another question about uh, Hollywood's golden era because you you really you know talked to a lot of the people who were in it. And uh, you have any more stories you'd like to share? Just a couple quick ones, maybe. Oh yes, yeah. And, and he was—he was a doll. He was just an—I mean, that was a big deal to me. I mean, I'm a, I love George Hamilton. I mean, he's—he's Mr. Pan, but I think he's very under—underrated as an actor. He's—he's he's done some great work. Yeah, he was in Godfather Three. He played, played the Robert Duvall part. Yeah, he was in that movie, uh, Robert First Bite. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, he was funny. He played the Dracula, but. Uh, so I asked him when he came on, when he started talking, I said, you know, George, you know, you moved out there in Los Angeles. I forget where he came from. He said, Mike, I moved out to Los Angeles from the mid to late 50s to become an actor, and I got into one of the studios. Got in with maybe Columbia, I could be wrong, MGM. Uh -huh. and, uh, he, but he was right at the tail end of the old studio system. And he said, first thing they pretty much did for me, because I was a real good-looking guy back then, you know, said they set me up on a date. I was 18 or 19 years old with Mal Monroe. Oh, wow. Then he was like, I, he remember driving the pick her up, and he was like shaking. The steering wheel was like shaking. And he was like going down the street, like, you know, like a drunk. You know, <laughs> he was just so nervous. And uh, I said, you know, picking up Mal Monroe for a date, because she was just, she was everything she was, you know, advertised. She was all, she was just so genuine. And um, so that's a funny story. Uh, but there's so many. Terry Moore, the old actress Terry Moore. Mm -hmm. she, was married to, she was married to Howard Hughes. Oh yeah. But and she 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 brought James Dean to like uh, the Academy Awards or some event. And there's a famous photo of her. You can find it online with him and her walking with James Dean wearing a tuxedo. He gives the cameraman the nastiest look because that was the first and the last time that he ever wore a tuxedo in his life. So so is she still is she still with us at this time? I wonder which wife, which where she fits into his uh, ex-wives as far as, I know he was married to Jean, Pe married Jean Peters too, didn't he, I think? Yes, correct, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't know, it's a good question, I'm not bad that one, it was, yeah, he, was, he had a lot of work. We've been, we've been talking about mo mostly movies, and but uh, you've also interviewed a lot of TV stars, haven't you, Mike? Well, one of my one of my one of my really favorite interviews. It was my one of my very first celebrity interviews was with Allison Arngrim from A Little House on the Prairie. You know, played Nellie Olson. She's yes. nothing like she nothing yeah. in real life like she was on the show. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've had a lot of the cast from Happy Days. They had Donnie Most, they had Anson Williams, Marion Ross on, and they were all like they were like so nice. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just what you saw on television. They were just so nice, and there was no egos. They were very humble people. Um, I've had Ed Asner on. I've had, uh, I had Larry King on. I had yeah, Larry I saw King you had Larry King on. King on. <laughs> that's, What's that? 
I said, I saw where you had Larry King on your show. I said, that's that's got to be a you had you know with King of the CNN late night yeah. talk shows, yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you a real quick story how I got Larry King. Okay. Uh, like I said, I, w- I worked for the post office as a letter carrier. Uh-huh. And I was delivering, I delivered mail, again, from Newton, Massachusetts, same place where the radio station, that old building was. And I was delivered to this small office building. And I knew the people that had worked in the building. They were very nice to me. I got along with them great. And I saw the letters one day. It said, Larry King Enterprises, Larry King, Larry King Enterprises, Larry King Enterprises. So I, I gave the mail to the gentleman, Bobby. I said, Bobby, what's with this Larry King Enterprises stuff? He goes, oh, that's my client. I go, Larry King is your client. He goes, yeah. I go, the guy on TV, CNN. He goes, yeah. I couldn't put two and two together. Hmm. You know what I mean? I'm like, what do you do for him? He says, well, we're sort of like his accountants. Oh, wow, that's a small world. I said, can you get him on the show? He goes, yeah, I'll talk to him for you. So that's how I got Larry King. So uh, was Larry King still doing his talk show at that time? Uh, no. No. Larry King had, he, he was on a network, I forget the name of the network. It was a, it, it was a, it was like a, now he's on YouTube, he's got like two, two big shows. I oh, does he? I, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's got one called, um, Politic King, something like that, like Politica, Politic King. Uh-huh. It's, 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 uh, I wanted to ask you, since you, you talk to so many TV stars and about their shows, uh, what what series do you think had the most uh, turmoil off, offset? Um, I'll, tell you, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a funny story that people probably do not know this. Um, I'll tell you how I got her in a second. Uh, Joyce Randolph I had on. Yeah, from the Honeymooners, yeah. Correct, correct. And now, real quick, how I got Joyce Randolph. Again, no information online, no address. Nothing. I found the phone number in a in a phone book. <laughs> a phone book was an on, online phone book. Uh-huh. An online phone book. It wasn't a physical book. And there was a bunch of George Randall. I knew she lived in New York. And there was a bunch of George Randall. So I called. No, no, they weren't her. So I went on IMDb and it said her name is Joyce. The middle initial is Z, like Victor Randall. Mm-hmm. I said, oh crap, that'll narrow it down in the phone book. I found one that said Joyce B. Randolph. I called. As soon as she answered, I knew exactly that was her. I knew it. She's like, oh, I was like, oh my God, that's Trixie. Hi, <laughs> Mr. Randolph. Yeah, she, yes, yes. You know. And she I said, I'd love to have you on. And she, yeah, she came on. She was great. And uh, so the honeymoon, so I asked her the question. I says, well, before you guys, you know, Jackie Gleason, Audrey Meadows, and, you know, Ed Norton. I mean, our county. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys had so much, such great chemistry on the set. I mean, in the show, was, you know, guys are like, Sam, we really were. looked like husband and wife. And I, I said, you know, I'm sure after you guys got done with, you know, taping the show, you guys must have hung out, went out, had a few drinks in New York and Manhattan. And she said, she was so adamant. She goes, absolutely not. I'm like, really? She says, as soon as we got done taping, Took four separate cars, and we all went our own way. Hmm. She said, I couldn't, she goes, I couldn't stand Jackie Gleason. I go, wow, really? Because he was, he had a photographic memory, so he never liked to rehearse. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, she said, when you saw me come into the room, into their apartment, and I would leave, then when I, and I come back in again towards the end of the show, I was out behind that door rehearsing my, running my lines, because Jackie Gleason didn't like the, do rehearsal, so that really screwed up the other cast members up a lot, you know? Yeah. So they had, you know, yeah, so they, they didn't like each other. And um, she, she, said, she said, our Connie was nice, but he was an alcoholic and he couldn't approach him. He I've heard that, yeah. A lot. yeah. A lot of times he never showed up to the set. Were, were, were some of those early shows, early Honeymooners episodes uh, filmed live, do you know? Yes, they were filmed live. I thought they were. Yeah, I, believe they were I believe they were filmed live. On a Saturday night, she told me they filmed them on a Saturday night, and um, there was 39 episodes. They called it known as the Classic 39. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that was one of my that was a big deal for me because I'm a huge fan of that show. But I did not know that. And she said, "No, we didn't get along. Nobody got along with Jackie." I'll tell you, you know what I. I, I I really admire the way you go about getting these these interview subjects because um, you don't go a traditional route. <laughs> and yeah, you, no, I, you know, a lot of 
lot of times you got to take the dirt road. You've done you've done some things you've done some things I've done I think because I I'll tell you a quick one about myself real quick it, it may be something you might try at one time but uh, I discovered where an actor his hometown where he was from and uh, he's gone now but his name was Joseph Muscola I don't know if you know that name or not he played uh, played the character Stefano de Mera on Days of Our Lives for years over twenty years but I found out this. You know, in Connecticut, his hometown where he was from. So I thought, well, you know, he's gone, but maybe some of his relatives are still there. And I, just like you, I looked through a phone book and I, I ran across the only one Muscola in in the whole town, and it turned out to be his mom and dad. So I called him and started talking to him, and next thing they they gave me his home phone number in, in Los Angeles, and I called him, and he answered, and we, we you know we hit it off, and I I later, I later met him, in uh, Salem, Illinois. It's, that's, that's something you might think about trying, Mike, if you haven't tried that already. Yeah, yeah, there are some people I still gotta, I'm still trying to go after right now. And, um, it, it, but, you know, when you do things like that, then, you know, it's, it shows that you're very passionate about what you do. Yeah. And, you, know, if, you know, in this industry, I mean, unless you're Latin King or, I don't know, Jimmy Kimball or something, they're not going to come to you. So you got to go to them. Right. And you'd be surprised. Ninety-five percent of the people that I've contacted are very like, yeah, absolutely, I'd love to come on. Thank you so much for thinking of me. I get that a lot as well. I think it is these. I think these older stars just appreciate being remembered, you know. Now they're they're always so nice to their fans. Yeah, they're great. And they're great. And you know what? And you, think, you know, people ask you like, do you get any? Do you ever get anybody under like fifty? And they make it as a joke. I say, well, you can understand. The younger kids are, they're, they're working, okay, before the virus, I mean, all that. Mm -hmm. But they were working, you know, they were all working, you know, they, this is their earnings time to, to make their money. This is when they get the good looks, they're handsome, the women are beautiful. This is the time they have to make, to really make the most money they possibly can in their career. Right. Because, you know, Hollywood, you know, people think Hollywood is this big glamorous place, but Hollywood chews up their talent and spits them out. So, you know, the women, they, you know, there's ageism in women, there's ageism in men. But men have an easier time because they they, they, they go become character actors, like a George Clooney type. Mm -hmm. You know, he was big back like 10, 15 years ago, but he hasn't done anything in a while because, you know, they segue to becoming character actors. And, they, you know, that's what they can do nowadays. But the women have a more harder time because they you know, their beauty goes a little bit, and, you know, mm -hmm. they might put some weight on or anything like that. And, you know, Hollywood's very vain. You know, they want people to be beautiful, you know, when they're 80 years old, but that's impossible. But, so, but these older people, the younger kids, even if they do come on my show, I've got some young kids on, they don't have any stories for them. Right. Well, I've been, I've interviewed some younger, uh, but I don't know if you do, I don't know if you do musicians or not, but I've had some, some younger musicians on the show, but, uh. Not not too many uh, actors. I, no, I don't, I don't really do any musicians. I, I like to, you know, I like I said, so so if you're going to tell me more on who's 90 years old, people are like, oh, my God, she's 90 years old. I go, yeah, but she tells me stories about James Dean. Right. Yeah, who else can do that? <laughs> What's the 45-year-old kid going to tell me? Right. Working with who? Kim Kardashian? I mean, I, I, it doesn't, doesn't turn me on. You know, no. so many people talk to me, they come on my show, they talk about Marlon Brando working with Danilo, Al Pacino, Martin Scorsese, I've got a lot of guys from Goodfellas, the movie Goodfellas, uh, Godfather 1 and 2, you know, I've got a lot of those Italian type of guys, those, those guys who play those you know, mm -hmm. mafia, who, mafioso guys, and, uh, you know, they got some great stories working with, you know, Scorsese on The Godfather, you know, things like that, but... A lot of some shows I'm starting to see now. I've done a lot of Hollywood murder mysteries, like the Lana Turner, um, Natalie Wood, uh, the Death of George Reeves, the original Superman, and those are really good. Uh, I would love your audience to go subscribe to my YouTube channel. It's called Real Talk with the Hollywood Kid. R E E L Real Talk with the Hollywood Kid. Mm -hmm. uh, I just started. I just launched it about two months ago, and it's doing great. And a lot of my interviews are up there. Uh, a lot of my Hollywood murder mysteries are up there. I'm starting to get into a little bit of true crime now. I listened to one you did on about uh, Joe Flynn the, from McHale's Navy because I'm. Oh yeah, shit, that, that, that's a great thing. The views are great. I've just written, yeah, I've just written and published a book about Gomer Pyle TV series. And I'm thinking about doing one on McHale's Navy, but I'm not, I'm not there yet. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, I asked somebody. Uh, no, 
Strange death, too, wasn't it? Yeah. Pretty tragic the way he drowned. And there's, a, there's, a, there's more to that story, but I, I try to keep the mini reels like the seven, eight, ten minutes because, you know, people, you know, their attention spans not the greatest nowadays. Mm. And, um, but they seem like they, they, they trend pretty well. But, uh, you know, if, anybody, if your audience can go subscribe to my YouTube channel, that'd be great. And um, like I said, I'm starting, to, I'm starting to swing a little bit towards the true crime now. I did a show this afternoon. On a, hot, on a big mafioso guy in 1979 who got assassinated. He was a famous, famous mafia execution. And um, so I'm trying to get a little bit through it. I try to keep variety. I try to do Hollywood celebrity interviews, Hollywood murder mysteries, uh, true crime shows. Did, you know, did, did you do one? Did Mike, did you do one about the Brinks job? Uh, I think. Yes, I did. The I thought, job. yeah. Did you see that one? I, I did, yes. That was great. I thought that was you. Yeah, that was, yeah. That was me. Oh, it really? I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah, I wasn't around back then. Now, you're in Massachusetts, right? Yeah, that was in, uh, down the North End, in uh, Boston. And that was, that was incredible. I read the book and everything. And, now, yeah, I was always fascinated. I usually get stuff on that I'm fascinated with. The Brinks job is one of them. And I, that was my first first video I put up on YouTube was that interview. And, uh, you know, I try to get a lot of the experts, people that really know what they're talking about. Um, you know, it's not really fun when you're doing a show about I don't know, let's say Superman, and somebody comes out and is like, well, I don't know, maybe. Did he do that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have to edit that out, you know. <laughs> uh, so you've, you've got all this information you've gleaned from people, talking to these wonderful people. I just wondered maybe someday if you might consider writing a book yourself. Um, I think I might. I don't know. I, I, it's a great question, Denny. Um, I'm not really the most prolific writer. I mean, I do pretty good. I mean, I, I should pat myself in the back, but I don't. But um, I don't know. Maybe someday. I know there's a gentleman who did it. He did like uh, interviews with like the Three Musketeers. I mean, Three Musketeers, like the Musketeers back in the old days. Uh -huh. um, he wrote a book. He did like a hundred interviews, and I'm like, oh, geez, he wrote a book with a hundred interviews. I think that's over three hundred. And I'm like, maybe I should do a book. But well, there's an idea. Know, yeah, there's an idea. You might just. Just publish your interviews. You know, they're probably so fascinating. All you'd have to do is just just uh, do the transcripts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I just don't know how to go by doing it. To be honest with you, it's just a process. So I want to ask you a question. I don't have it on my list, but you talked about your the, the radio studio where you started. It. I guess you're still in the same studio. I wanted to know if it's been upgraded or does it still look like a falling down old <laughs> yeah, house. Yeah, yeah, good question. Um, Unfortunately, the gentleman who owned the studio, the station at the time, he sold it, like underneath everybody's nose. Uh -huh. we, we, heard, we, you know, we were like a little family over there, like four or five guys. We used to talk about like stuff like what you and I are talking about right now, old movies and stuff. Uh -huh. And um, right under our nose, we heard rumors. He's like, like is he selling? We're like, I don't know. Is he selling this place? Because the, the house was, like I said, it was a dump. Yeah. But around it was about five acres of land just sitting there. And he was paying all this money in taxes. Newton, Massachusetts is a pretty upscale neighborhood. Mm -hmm. he said, why? So for him, he said, why should I sell all? Why should I just use this little, piece, this little house in the rest of the property I don't use? I'm paying all these money in taxes. So he sold it for like five, six million dollars. He made a score. And uh, we were hoping that he just stayed in the industry, but he didn't. He just got, and I, went to go, I went to another station after, but it wasn't the same. It was more corporate. It was like a multi-million dollar facility. And there was all corporate stuff going on. And nobody really even the way existed in there. And I said, you know what? It's time to get out of this place. And another gentleman that used to work at the old radio station bought the, bought the signal. He relocated it up the street, which is good. So now I'm, I'm back over there. Um, it, it's much better. We have a great new owner guy named Teddy Dimitriotis. Okay. He's a great guy. His father used to own the, the station. He's still alive. He's like 95 years old. And um, he, the son has it now. And he's doing a great job. And, uh, so it's a family thing for them. And you record every right. Thursday and you, you, your show airs on Saturdays? Is that right? That's at 2 o'clock Eastern on WNTN. AM 1550 WNTN. So every Saturday at 2 o'clock. Yeah, that's what I do, Danny. And uh, like I say, it's a labor of love for me. And I try to I try to come up with these very obscure guests. Like next week, I, I'm interviewing. I don't know if you remember. Uh, I didn't even know the name, but his name was the gentleman's name was Emil Sitka. 
Oh, well, he's, I, I connect him with the Three Stooges. Dan Bengi, very good. Thank you. <laughs> he was considered the fourth Stooge. So I'm interviewing his son next week. I was going to say, I didn't think he'd still be with us, but if he is, that's great. His son. Oh, well, this is his, this is his son. Mm -hmm. He passed away, but I'm interviewing his son. Mm -hmm. uh, so he's going to come. I'm gonna, so, like I said, I try to get, like, obscure guests on, you know, and keep it fresh. And uh, that's what I do. And uh, I'm having fun. I'm trying to go national with it in terms of getting some notoriety, some like national attention, because it's like, you know, I don't see anybody else doing a show with these type of guests. And these are big names. Ed Asner, George Hamilton, mm -hmm. and everybody on. I mean, there's so many people on Stuart Pankin. I can go on for days. And, um, about what year what, what what year did you start this? I don't know if we got the year when you started doing this. Uh, six, years, six years ago. Six years. About two, June of 2014. Last month was my six-year anniversary. Last mm. month. Okay. Um, I started doing my uh, internet show on, in 2010, but I had been on the uh, AM radio station uh, from 2002 to 2010, and then they wow. they just sort of took us off the air, you know, in yeah, mid yeah. in mid show, <laughs> the way they're known to do sometimes. Yeah, that's what they do. That's what they do. We've been talking about yeah. all these uh, talk shows. I mean, I'd like to maybe ask you if you have some favorite TV talk show host or even radio. Host, it just maybe some uh, of you. I mean, I mean, for me, um, for my generation, I mean, I'm, I'm a Johnny Carson guy. Uh -huh. um, you know, uh, as, as a kid going to junior high school or whatever it was, elementary school at the time, this is going back like 40 years ago, or whatever it was, 30, whatever, whenever Johnny was on, um, I would grab the TV guy, or actually, I'd grab the local newspaper around here in Boston. And at those, during those days, they used to tell you. You know, they, they used to say the David Letterman show or Johnny Tonight Show, Johnny Carson, and they would list the guests that were going to be on that night. I remember that. So I really, yeah, so early in the morning, I grabbed the newspaper before I went to school, and I looked, I said, oh, well, let me see if I see Don Rickles. <laughs> Don Rickles is on tonight. I'm staying up all night. I don't care if it's a school night. And that's what I used to do. I used to, there was a couple of entertainers that I would like to coach Frank Sinatra on. I told oh my God, I got to test Frank Sinatra. You know, so if he had some big, big time guests on, I would stay up, and that's what me and my brothers would do. I'd say, Don Rickles on tonight. My, my parents would say, go to bed, go to bed. Ma, Nichols is on tonight. Don Rickles is on tonight. He's like, you know, I don't care who he is. But, you know, he's at school tomorrow. But that's what I used to do. And, uh, you know, Rickles would come on, and then you see how he made everybody laugh. And, well, I mean, Johnny Carson, um, you'll never beat Johnny Carson. Big, you know, Ed McMahon, Ed McMahon grew up down the street from me, and, um, Seems to be the prototype for the for TV talk shows is is the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. But yeah, you know, I, I think my one of my favorite, and I have to say this because he does he did the same things we're doing, and that's Dick Cavett. Oh, Dick Cavett was great. I love the I love all the old interviews he did with people like Groucho Marx and Betty Davis. And, yes, yes, yes. Because I don't think those those people would would ever probably been interviewed. At that and, and most of them have been preserved on film. Yes, yeah, yeah. Robert Mitchum on there, mm -hmm. everybody on there. Um, yeah, he was great. He was and great. and Mike Doug Mike Douglas did a lot of that too, and hit on his show. He in fact he had he had Mo Howard from the Three Stooges on his show when nobody else would 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 have had him on. Yeah, Merv Griffin show was great. Dinah Shaw. I mean, I grew up watching all that stuff. Yeah, the stuff we have on now. Just remember the Joe Franklin show. Joe, I, I'm glad you brought him up. I want I wanted to mention Joe Franklin because I think he's more of a New York WOR legend than he is anything. But uh, yeah, he he was national and he, and he he did the same thing. He 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 brought the old celebrities on. A lot of people from yeah, silent he movies. Great. Yeah, uh, he was great. And unfortunately, I wasn't doing my show, but uh, you know, before he passed away, I would have, I would have definitely tried to get him. He would have been like a dream guest. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, because he was like an almanac for the classic Hollywood, and he interviewed everybody. And uh, I remember watching him as a kid when he came home from school, Joe Franklin show. Yeah, it's just a lot of great memories, and you know we could we could yeah, talk for hours. I think, that's what I, think, I think that's what people like about my show is I'm, I try to capture that, and you know, it's a it's a very unique show. I don't think many people are doing a show like this. There are a few, but the one uh, I know Gilbert Godfrey does a show like mine, but I'm a one-man gang. I'm a one-man crew. I don't. Mm -hmm. I'm not a technical savvy guy. I don't have an army of people working for 
for me like they do. I don't have uh, someone books the show for me. I don't have anybody that produces the show. I don't have any. Well, I do have a producer, he's a young kid, but I don't have anybody that writes the show, does the research. I don't have any of that stuff. That does the promotion. I do it all by myself. Yeah, one man show, basically. What you are. Yeah, and I got, I've got, I've got to this point, and uh, you know, I'm gonna keep it going, and I'm gonna try to get a, some national attention to it. I reach out to a lot of people, and um, you know, it's a very unique show. It's very unique. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, and and, and I have George Campbell pins of the world. I mean, I I had Stacey Keach on, so many of the old classic actors, and Terry Moore's of the world, and um, there's a few and far between nowadays. And unfortunately, a lot of them died off. Mm-hmm. I had Lyle Wagner on. Yeah, I saw you had Lyle. Yeah, you had him. He he recently died, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he recently passed away. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like I said, they are, unfortunately they are passing away and. Uh, we were having some technical problems with our uh, with our uh, recording here, but we lost a couple calls. But I guess that's the name of the game, isn't it, Mike? Sometimes that happens. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, I'll give you any closing words you might want to throw in here, but if not, I'm going to bid you a fond good night and. Uh, Look forward to getting this show on the air. I just want to give my YouTube channel a shout out. Go ahead, yeah. Are you there? Yeah, whenever I'm ready. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Danny, thank you so much for having me. And um, like I said, if, if I can drive your audience to my new YouTube channel, I just launched it a couple of months ago. At that real search, real talk with the Hollywood kid. Uh, you know, real talk with the Hollywood kid. Some great, great interviews up there. I know your audience would love them. And uh, give them a give it a, give it a chance. It's great content. Uh, check out my show on iTunes. If you go to iTunes, you search on the Global Echoes. My show comes up on iTunes under Global Echoes. Okay. And the same as well on SoundCloud. The same as well on SoundCloud. And uh, like again, we're on the Apple Podcast, we're on Spotify, and um, just go. You can even check out our website, WNTN1550AM.com. WNTN. 1550am.com. And if anybody wants to get in touch with me, you can hit me up on Facebook. I'm at Mike Distasio. I also have a uh, Facebook page for the show, Real Talk with the Hollywood Kid. They can contact me through there. And uh, again, I appreciate uh, you having me on. And, um, I, hope, I hope it was a fun interview for you. Oh, it's great. It was a wonderful interview. I hate to stop it, but we're going to have to. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I really appreciate it, Mike.
passes as they sadly pass him by. Avoid stepping on Belelegosi because he's liable to turn and bite. But stand close by Betty Davis because hers was such a lonely life. Thank you. 